Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, and I am joined by Anthony Irwin to talk about day four of the Lakers not playing basketball. Anthony, how's it going? You know, I've had to talk to Jen now for four straight days. (laughs) I am running out of things that I can, that like, don't very quickly remind her, oh my God, I married an idiot. Like just normally I can get away with it because the Lakers are on for like a few hours of the evening that she is Mm -hmm. after she's home from work. And I, you know, I can just kind of look cute for a little while, but no, like when (laughs) I actually have to talk, it's, it's just trouble. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, speaking of talking, getting people into trouble, the Lakers had some fascinating press conference availability today from Frank Vogel and LeBron James, which first of all, uh, as someone who covers another NBA team that never makes their best players available, kudos to the Lakers for making Paul George available. Sorry, Paul George, LeBron James available. This is clearly yeah. where my mind is going. Um, yeah, but uh, LeBron was asked a number of things today at practice. Uh, about half of it was about Bronny James, who got to play at Staples Center against St. Vincent St. Mary's on Friday night, which Saturday night, which I got him is, is very cool. That's mm-hmm. like just an objectively cool moment for a kid to play in an NBA arena where your dad plays against his alma mater. Like, just yeah, your dad's super, jersey super cool. is going to be on those walls. Like, yeah. Like, that's wild. <laughs> a, a banner that your dad won is already up on those walls. Like, that it's too. very, very cool. Yeah. Um, but I anyway, wish uh, LeBron's statue was already up, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> can LeBron's statue be him and his winery putting this roster together? Could we? <laughs> so we would officially have given the keys to Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis already. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, other than the six minutes on Bronnie James, uh, LeBron had some very illuminating insights about this year's roster. Uh, and the first thing I want to talk about was when he was asked if he has seen enough from the team so far to know if this roster is like fully complete to contend. And LeBron basically, <laughs> it's, I mean, we know we yeah. have seen enough. <laughs> it is not to know that it is not. <laughs> you and I have come to that estimation. <laughs> yeah. I did back in August, but yeah. <laughs> but LeBron has not seen enough. Um, and you pointed this out when we were discussing this on Slack earlier. The The way he pointed it out was particularly interesting. So if you wanted to, you know, bring up that particular yeah. answer. Yeah, so it, he basically goes, you know, I'm really happy with the way that Rob and Coach and the front office put this front this this team together. <laughs> You know who isn't being listed there, Sabrina? Kurt <laughs> no, Rambis? No, no, notably <laughs> unmentioned. The Rambi did not get any cred here. I guess they are um, the front office. They are the front My office, bad. right? My bad. Yeah. And I guess the shadow exec got a call out there. But sure, but, sure. Um, no, LeBron already doing the, the, you know, normally if they were good, you know, you would think you would say we, right? I'm really happy about the work, the, the work that we put in, in putting mm-hmm. this roster together. And, and it was a collaboration between uh, Rob and Frank and the the front office, which, you know, Rob is kind of, yeah, I guess you have the scouting department. Mm-hmm. You do have Kurt and, and you do have, uh, I guess, some other decision makers who will go unnamed. But but like you have, but this is, this is something that I've been kind of looking for all year and something I can't wait to get into, like come the off season where you're going to start seeing various parties kind of leaking their <laughs> retelling of the way this went down. Problem mm-hmm. is for LeBron, 
there are there's that athletic article that mm-hmm. just very clearly says, you know, LeBron was in his uh, wine cellar with his at his computer with wine being poured and cigars being smoked. And suddenly this roster makes a lot more sense. And <laughs> and so like he. I don't think LeBron being at his computer part in this story. That's the most unrealistic part. (laughs) Well, like how's the Wi-Fi in a basement? I can't imagine (laughs) it's very good. And so like LeBron James home, I'm sure the Wi-Fi is fine everywhere. Really sterling in every room. Not a problem. (laughs) Those taco, those taco Tuesday videos were very crisp. I do recall (laughs) those looking very good. And and so like, so I, I, it was funny to see, you know, it, it, it's taken what twenty three games? Is that how, however many games the Lakers have played? Twenty four. Twenty four games uh, for LeBron to kind of disassociate himself with this roster and the way it was put together. And I kind of wonder if he would like to go back and get a redo on leaking how involved he was with putting this team together. I mean, we actually kind of sort of already have our answer, right? He yeah. he he is. He's doing just that. It was a very early victory lap for LeBron to take. Like that article about the roster construction was leaked before the start of the season. Yeah. They were so confident that this was uh-huh. a home run off season for the Lakers mm-hmm. that they wanted to stamp their name on it before games had even been played. Yeah. And now, now, like you said, he completely eliminates himself from consideration <laughs> when building the roster yeah, like we we have people throughout the organization who are you know stamping their name on things like Frank Vogel. All of those decisions that he made lineup wise against Sacramento, someone like he was asked a question about. Oh, we heard that there was like a, a very like vigorous halftime speech about like committing to defense. And he's like, yeah, I said that. I was the one who got into the yeah. guys to like play better. It's Coach Carter saying, I tied that goddamn shoe. <laughs> I saw what DeAndre Jordan did in the first four minutes. I knew that Dwight would be better for us and give us the type of defense that we needed. Like. Frank is doing it. LeBron is doing it. And uh, yeah, I think it's only going to get more interesting from here on out because um, I mean, suffice to say, like things have not gone completely well so far. No. So if, if this is the high point of the season, because the Lakers have played the second easiest schedule thus far, um, as we mentioned, uh, this is this is technically day three without Lakers basketball because they did play on Friday night. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, all off. Uh, and like it's, it's about to get fun here. <laughs> like this is when, you know, we, we exit the NFL season and NBA games start coming on national TV more often. And you know, when NBA games start coming on national TV, TV more often, that means, Oh, the Lakers are playing very high profile games on national television. So yeah, everybody the, tune in. <laughs> the good stuff is coming. Um, but yeah, I, I was very interested by that fact that LeBron is usually like very happy to make himself part of the brain trust, right? Like mm-hmm. he, He's like, yeah, you know, I love that I'm on a team where, you know, Jeannie and I can consult and Rob and I can consult and Frank and I can consult. And, <laughs> oh, hey, did nobody consult you? Like, did they forget to this offseason? Yeah. No, it was, it, it's it, based on that athletic article that he was con- like they were they were asking him how the offseason was going. Yeah. Right. Like he, Rob was sending him emails. Hey, man, like, how are we looking at the wing? Like, yeah. what, what are we doing here? <laughs> Do we do we still want to go get buddy? Like, is that part of the plan? Yeah. Hey, Sacramento's been on hold for like 48 hours. Um <laughs> what do we what what do we think? <laughs> and so I, I don't I it's just 
look, I know a, a lot of people listening right now are probably saying like, wow, I can't believe this whole pod and now the lowdown, if they've listened to that already too, are centered on basically like, hey, this is this is this guy's comments. But LeBron has been doing this for long enough and has always been so good at understanding what people are going to take away from things that he says or he doesn't say. And we're going to talk about Frank Vogel and 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 his comments about Frank Vogel what, and the things that he didn't say there mm-hmm. and how that was very notable to me. But I, I think with with LeBron and and just having now covered him for for multiple seasons, having uh, spoken with people like I, I one of the things I like to do is I'll, I'll reach out to my Cavs friends or uh, George Sedano and I are, are very close. And he, you know, the people who speak LeBron, right, mm-hmm. who, who who know kind of between the lines what what is going on there. And when I send stuff like this over to him, they just laugh. They say, mm-hmm. oh, you know, we'll talk about Frank here in a bit. But that guy's a goner. That is, <laughs> <laughs> that guy, you know, and, and like with this with this uh, last offseason. Right. And and the comments about who was responsible for this offseason. This is somebody who and we are in the age, by the way of the self-told documentary, The Last Dance, the nine-part documentary that was basically a Michael Jordan commercial. We have Tom Brady doing the same thing for ESPN+. Plus. Magic, I guess, sold one to Amazon. Mm-hmm. And, and so on and so Eventually, we're going to get one with LeBron. These, these people at that kind of upper rung of celebrity, they know that they can retell their own version of, they can tell their truth, right? Speak mm-hmm. your truth is something I hear all the time. It's like, no, 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 you can't possess truth. It is the truth. Like that is that is something that exists outside of possession. And yet, you know, and, and as somebody who worked in PR, you have a lot of people who say like, well, can't we just lie? Like, that's an option. <laughs> we can lie. And and, and I think here, it, this is one of those cases with LeBron where it's like, now I could just say that this was something that they did. And my fans are going to associate those guys with this offseason. I think that these comments today are kind of the beginning of that process, unless the Lakers turn it around. And then all of a sudden you're just like, oh, man, we did such a great job. Look (laughs) at what we did. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like there are these checkpoints that you hit during every LeBron James season, you know, where there's the initial burst where, like, oh, you know, LeBron's poised for another run to the finals. And then there's the the bit of the lull, you know, during the regular season yeah. where it's like, how much does LeBron really care about this season? And then yep. you hit the the coded comments in the press about LeBron asking the GM for certain, you know, additions or removals mm-hmm. from the roster. Uh, we get like another post-trade deadline surge. And like, we're, they're just all of these elements that have become very familiar with the LeBron James experience, like whether that was in Miami or Cleveland or even Los Angeles. And because of the the funky pace of the last two seasons, I feel like we have kind of, you know, not so much missed those markers, but like they've come at yeah. odd intervals. This feels very much like, oh, this is like 2015 LeBron all over again. Like, yeah. when is he taking the two week sojourn to like, you know, I thought, <laughs> I thought right, that was going right. to happen when he was on the health and safety protocols, frankly. But uh, it, it all it all feels very familiar. Like none of this seems out of character for LeBron to, you know. Mm-hmm be making public statements about things that he could easily just be saying, you know, behind closed doors, but it's for one, it's far more interesting for him to say it in public. And I know he realizes that he is at the heart of an entertainment league. Like he is its biggest star, but it's also, I think 
far more effective to make these statements publicly and then have like a, a trail, you know, to point back to like, see, I said yeah. it then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, this also like, actually, now that you kind of mentioned the beats of the season, right. The LeBron teams tend to be active at the deadline. And what's kind of been interesting here with, with Palinka is that he isn't normally very active at the deadline. Mm-hmm. He hasn't made a, a, a trade deadline deal uh, basically since he and LeBron paired up and, uh, or, or since magic stepped down and Polinka was, was right. Because uh, we tend to promoter. credit magic Johnson with that Mike Muscala right. deal. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so like for, but with LeBron, I, I think it's really interesting because those two things are kind of coming at a head here where Polinka didn't necessarily have to make, like he definitely didn't have to make a trade a couple of years ago when the Lakers were on their way to a championship mm-hmm. last year, I could have seen a trade. Um, and they were close, apparently, to acquiring Kyle Lowry. Um, right. They just didn't want to include Taylor Horton Tucker in the trade, which now looking back is, um, you know, you can have one thought over the other there. Right. I, I think there was just like every asset they possibly had that wasn't nailed down was like supposed to go to Toronto in that deal. And yeah, I, I in hindsight, I think for I would have Rob tried to negotiate. <laughs> Well, I, I think in, in this case, well, that's kind of like Rob's MO, right? Like he negotiates hard when he really wants to negotiate. Mm-hmm. But then if like, if he really, really wants something, if something is hammered down, he off. gets his hammer <laughs> out and he unnails the, the stuff that he shouldn't be. And, and so, but so I, I, I think here with, with these comments here and by disassociating himself as part of like your typical LeBron season, I think this does feel like him saying, all right, y'all, I know that I was involved in this, but now publicly you guys did this. You guys put this roster together. Now we have to fix it. And then if it gets fixed, I'm sure he'll say, oh yeah, we, you know, we went out there and it was tough to trade THT and it was tough to trade uh, Kendrick Nunn. It was, you know, we thought long and hard on, on the kind (laughs) of player that we needed back here for it. And if that trade works out, we are really happy that it, that it really worked out like that. If that trade doesn't go down, like the, you know, if it doesn't work out mm-hmm. well, you know, Rob and, and, and Frank in the front office, they, you know, they, they decided they evaluated it was, it was, what we had and yeah, you know, right, thought that right. this was they the best course forward. And and, yeah. Right. And you know, again, players, it just comes, we just have to go on the court and do our job. <laughs> right. Right. And it, and it just kind of comes back to, it comes back to the, the, my truth concept, the concept mm-hmm. of my truth. And LeBron's truth. And what I'm really going to find interesting here is like in this era of uh, self-produced documentary, I- I'm, I'm really fascinated by the first documentary that kind of butts heads with another documentary, right? So mm-hmm. if, if like the big three make their documentary and they talk about LeBron a certain way, and then LeBron makes his documentary and he talks about the big three in Boston a certain way. Those guys, you know, those document like it's going to be on the on on the public to kind of figure out what the actual truth is between those two things. And, and I think here, again, is is one of those spots where we have to be able to go back and chart what the actual truth is. And the actual mm-hmm. truth is LeBron was very involved with putting this roster together and and it clearly has holes in it. There mm-hmm. are things that they forgot to do. Um, boxes or chose not to, to. <laughs> yeah, or chose not to, or they chose to check way too many times, right? With, with combo guards, <laughs> the combo uh, guard box, right? <laughs> that box is checked, <laughs> checked 
highlighted, circled, underlined. Um, meanwhile, the, 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 the wing box is just sitting there like, you know, is there a wing box? I don't know. Yeah. Somebody ate all the wings inside it said the combo box. guard again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so like you're looking at, you're looking at, at, at this process of either fixing the spots that the, those boxes that went unchecked or assigning blame to who didn't check those boxes. Yeah. I mean, I, the first thing I want to hit on is what wing is coming back for THT and Kendrick Nunn? You know, thigh stop is really good at um, <laughs> wing stop nowadays, <laughs> but, but no, I, I legitimately have no idea. I know okay. Christian put, put together a, a post about what kind of salary that you could get back. So basically if you combine a uh, tune Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn's salary plus another uh, minimum type player, you could uh, bring back a player making about $20 million. Mm-hmm. And, you know, without even getting into, well, what kind of $20 million player is, is uh, going to be available for a very diminished Kendrick Nunn and a slightly diminished Taylor Horton Tucker, right? Taylor Horton Tucker last year was seen as a lot more valuable because mm-hmm. he hadn't yet been paid. He, we right. didn't, there is, there well, was not no even that, like he was all potential. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and this year with expectations assigned to him, he's shooting 26% from three point range. He isn't the wing defender that the Lakers were hoping for, which I always thought was a f- really interesting thing to hope for from somebody who was six, four. Um, and, and I just think for, for, you know, we'll see what kind of wing is available. The other thing too, is those kinds of wings are usually on good teams. Like those, those $20 million type wings are normally on teams that aren't looking to trade away a $20 million wing. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so I, I don't know what they'll necessarily bring back. I do know, however, that this feels like one of those steps that you look back on because everything that has to do with LeBron, like you're saying, he's very good at, at laying a, uh, a, a paper trail that you can go yeah. back and you say, Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. I know when this process started and this felt like the beginning of that process. Right. Yeah. I mean, the only $20 million wings I can think of on bad teams right now are Jeremy Grant and Harrison Barnes, but, um, unless the Kings are still on hold, I don't think that that deal is getting done. Yeah. And, uh, Jeremy Grant, um, yeah, it's, I don't know. Always been a little bit more, uh, more hype than I am comfortable with from Jeremy Grant. Uh, dating back to when I don't think he was very good against the Lakers in the playoffs in that 2020 bubble series, but Hey, uh, let's yep. take a quick break. And then we'll come back and talk about the other half of LeBron's practice comments today. So LeBron James today was asked about the criticism that Frank Vogel has gotten for his coaching this season and whether he thought it was fair or not. And I'm told by our Jacob Rude, who was attending that press conference that he laughed first and then said a bunch of things that did not answer the question. (laughs) So let's read what LeBron said in, you know, nominal response to this question. (laughs) I think criticism comes with the job. Frank is a strong-minded guy. He has great coaching staff. We as players have to do a better job of going out and producing on the floor. We're a team and an organization that don't mind some adversity, that don't mind some people saying things about us, obviously, because it comes with the territory. We have a lot of guys on this team that have been bulletin board material for quite a long time. It don't quite bother us. Everything that we do stays in-house when it comes to our preparation, 
and how we prepare for our next opponent and how we prepare to get better. Frank doesn't care and we don't either about what people are saying. Okay, Okay. so. (laughs) Thanks, Brian. uh, He does say that he doesn't care about people criticizing Frank, which I think is the closest thing that can be construed to support from this entire answer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He doesn't care what people are saying. I do think this question is fascinating because the most recent source of criticism for Frank Vogel as a coach came from Malik Monk, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James when they (laughs) said how great of a job Ty Lue did adjusting against the Lakers with the, to me, not so like implicit addendum that like, oh, if Ty Lue did such a great job, shouldn't our coach have been able to counter it? Right, right. Yeah, I, look, I, I, the first, I guess, three sentences here are, are the, the money ones, right? Mm-hmm. I think, <clears throat> I think criticism comes with the job. Okay. Great. Frank is a strong-minded guy. All right. He has a great coaching staff. All right. <laughs> Nowhere in there is Frank is a good head coach. <laughs> not mentioned is Frank is a good head. Like it doesn't, or Frank not, is doing a good job. Yeah. Right. Like, or, or even like, you know, criticism is stupid. It does that you, yeah. you don't understand like everything that goes into these decisions, the, the context matters, all the stuff. And again, this is somebody who is, is very aware of how people are going to react to the things he says. And he does not say, and again, like I reached out to some of my, my, my cast fans, friends, and, and they said like, Oh yeah, this guy, <laughs> All right. And so like I, I it it also by the way I think we still have to call back the context with with uh Frank in that contract that he has, right? Mm-hmm. Where normally somebody who wins a championship gets multiple years in their extension. Mm-hmm. Normally. Almost always. And uh with Frank, he gets the one year. And again, everything that the Lakers do is run through LeBron. Every single thing. Or LeBron makes a decision and runs it through other people, right? <laughs> um, it, 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 you know, however you want to frame it, at the end of the day, LeBron is in on all of these conversations. So LeBron knew that Frank was only going to get the one-year extension this year. Mm-hmm. He also knows, given the amount of time he's been in this league, how that would undercut a lot of the leverage that Frank has in any of these conversations if he's telling somebody to rotate, telling somebody how to play, mm-hmm. assigning starting lineups and, 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 and finishing lineups and stuff, he knew the impact that a single year extension for Frank was going to have. And now again, he's, he knows, he knew at the time of this presser how people were going to react to him not saying that Frank Vogel is a good head coach. And, and he knew also, like after the Clippers game, he knew how people were going to read and react to him saying that Ty Lue did a great job. Somebody he uh-huh. won a championship. And the, the other coach that he won a championship, one of the other coaches that he won a championships with. Uh-huh. And so, like, I, all of this, when you add all of this together, is why I agree with my cast friends that in saying that, like, yeah, this is not somebody that I, I think LeBron really, man, I got to find my, I got to be careful with my words here. <laughs> This is not somebody that I think LeBron considers necessary to a championship culture. Okay. 
Yeah, just just to recap, um, this is what LeBron said off the cuff about Ty Lue, who he also won one championship with, right? Mm-hmm. One championship with Ty Lue, one championship with Frank Vogel. He said, T. Lue is great, simple as that. He's great at every facet of the game. <laughs> as a coach, he doesn't have a weakness. Okay. That is what he said about Ty Lue. <laughs> when it came to Frank Vogel, the man couldn't even get out the words. He's a championship winning head coach. <laughs> Anthony is dying, by the way. I'm dying over here. Oh my God. He's good at everything, every facet of the game. Championship head coach. Frank is strong minded. So he called Frank stubborn. Like he literally doesn't even have to say that Frank is doing a good job or that he's a good coach. He could just say Frank is a championship winning head coach. He could say right. that. That is didn't fact. even bring that up. <laughs> no, no. And, and again, like, so this is the other thing that's really interesting here. We, we know that, and Jeannie Buss has come out and said that she doesn't like firing head coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't like to cycle through head coaches. Right. And, and so like this, this could potentially feel like a, those two entities really kind of butting heads here where Jeannie doesn't want to fire Frank and, Based on like those two comments, if that was all we had to work with, and it isn't, but Mm -hmm. it's not like the other context, like makes you feel better about Frank sticking around, but you know, based on those comments, there played side by side, you now have, it's pretty clear. LeBron sees one fix to what is going on with the Lakers and Jeannie sees another one, or at the very least doesn't see this as one of those fixes. And, and, and yeah, it's just, I I'm, I'm, I'm still, I think team Frank, I still think that of the available coaches, I still think Mm -hmm. he's the best option out there. Um, I, I I don't see anybody on the Lakers uh, bench or on the open market who would not do a lot of the things that annoys me that Frank does, right. Some of the Mm -hmm. lineup choices, bad offenses, stuff like that. Like I don't see anybody who really fixes any of those things, Uh, but I, I don't think it matters. I'm, well, I know what I think here doesn't matter. But what I mean by it doesn't matter is LeBron made up his mind this offseason about how this was going to go down. And I think here, those two comments there it, it are, are really him kind of doubling down and tripling down on this is not the guy who I think helps us win a championship. Ty Lue would have, Monty would have, and maybe he thinks Phil Handy will or David Fisdale will. But as it stands right now, Frank is not one of those guys, according to LeBron. Yeah, I was never terribly disappointed that the Lakers missed out on Monty Williams in that Mm -hmm. head coaching search of the summer of 2019 because it it went Ty, then Monty, then Frank, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. In hindsight, seems like a pretty great coach. (laughs) I'm I'm a big Monty Williams fan. (laughs) I very much am. Yeah. Yeah. The guy's done well for himself. Congratulations for Monty Williams. So. The, looking back on that offseason, because it's a fascinating one, because you had mm-hmm. you had Frank hired after the the debacle that was Jawan Howard was even in the mix and then chose to go back to Michigan, something like that. But I, yeah. I, I think that was one of those things that like he found out that he wasn't really necessarily in yeah, that kind yeah. of running. And he, mm-hmm. you know, kind of jumped out before he was told to get out. Mm-hmm. But I like that that offseason and the way that it went down, it wasn't too far removed from Rob being promoted after a whole bunch of rumors of, Hey, the Lakers are kicking the tires on Bob Myers. Mm-hmm. They're interested potentially in, in Masai Ujiri. 
or or RC Buford was another name that was kind of being thrown around at the time. And 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 I remember, you know, you go from that and I was already kind of annoyed because I thought Bob Myers was better at his job than Rob Polinka would have been. Mm-hmm. And I know that Masai Ujiri was the best at his job and Correct. he is widely considered the best executive in the NBA. Somebody who's probably, by the way, like overqualified to be like, people are waiting for him to go into politics. He's that good at what he does. <laughs> um, and, and so I, I remember coming off of the disappointment of, Oh, okay, great. It's, it's going to be Rob. All right. Mm-hmm. And then to go from that to, all right, well, at least they have Ty Lu, And right. we know that Ty will have LeBron's respect to the point where he'll be allowed to coach however he wanted. Mm-hmm. And 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 be able to manage his team however he sees fit. And Lou even gets a birthday cake bought for him. Remember <laughs> that? Um, with Lakers on it. Like a Lakers. Yeah, I was birthday. just talking to the Cambros about this last week. <laughs> right, right. He gets a birthday cake. And then, you know, some people will say that he was lowballed. He felt lowballed financially with the mm-hmm. Lakers offer. Others will point to uh that the the that Rob Polenko wanted. Jason Kidd on, on, on Lou's coaching staff. And he didn't mm-hmm. want his heir apparent on, on the, uh, on the staff with him, especially right. given kids history, uh, or it was some combination of those couple things, which mm-hmm. a championship head coach is perfectly in the right. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the, you should get well-paid if you're a championship head coach and you shouldn't, and, and you should have full control over your coaching staff as a championship head coach. Neither of which you can say about Frank Vogel. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Vogel is sitting here. Uh, I don't know that he does have full control over this stuff. I I was really disappointed this last offseason that they didn't go out and get somebody with more strategic offensive chops uh, to their to their resume or in their resume. No, right. instead, they promoted Mike Penberthy because they were concerned he was going to go with Jason Kidd to Dallas. And, uh, you know, I know that Jared Dudley thought he was going to get a job with the Lakers here in, in, in some coaching capacity as well. Mm-hmm. And that never really came. And, and so like, it's just, and I'm sure that's somebody that, you know, I, I could have seen Frank wanting, you know, Dudley around in some coaching compa- capacity. Right. And, 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 you know, none of those things are happening. And then on top of that, you, you have these comments here, about like, it just doesn't seem viable. And I know, I know, I, I, I don't mean to paint Frank as some like victim who has no control over anything, you know, gosh, because he it. still He's started Dwight Howard next yeah. Taylor Horn Tucker, Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Absolutely. And the, news the other day. Right. Like those, there are things that Frank Vogel does that annoy the hell out of me too. And, and, and so those need to be pointed out as well. I just, I just don't, I've never really known. And we've never really known who has what type of, uh, op, you know, operational flex- flexibility in any of their positions is Rob making the final call. Clearly not because LeBron said, no, don't make the buddy heel trade. I want Russ. Is Frank making the final call on any of these things? Clearly not, because too many things are going on. No, clearly not, because last year we saw that Andre Drummond was promised a starting game. Starting spot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and it's just it seems impossible. like Schroeder was as well. Right. Yeah. Not just not just seems he said it right. His yeah. his first. Oh, yeah. Uh, presser, he, he did say that. <laughs> he said that. Yeah, I'm a starter in this league. And so I. I it's impossible to really ever fully analyze anybody at their jobs with the Lakers because we never know who was pulling what strings. And that's the case throughout the NBA. Like mm-hmm. all of these superstars have some kind of uh, control over the way things go. 
uh, because they should, right? They, mm-hmm. they generate the most revenue. They, they are the reason their franchise sits where it does. Um, and they should have that amount of control. I just think it's, it's a little different here with the Lakers. I think LeBron has more control than any other superstar in the league. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also different because you have somebody in, in, in Jeannie who I guess clearly she doesn't want to be associated with the, with the basketball moves that the Lakers do until she does. And so like, I, it's, right. just, it's always so complicated trying to figure out who's responsible for which call, unless you have spots like yesterday where LeBron wants you to believe that he isn't. And yet we know that he is. So I, I I'm just sitting here with a shrug emoji. That, that entire <laughs> 15 minute rant was me just coming to the conclusion of good Lord. I know nothing. Yeah, it's a really interesting combination between the superstar who likes to exercise the most power of any in the league combined with arguably the most bare bones front office that just has this yeah. vacuum of power willing to be seized. Right. Um, and it's, or that has already been seized. Yeah. Um, I, I feel badly for Frank. I just think about the way championship head coaches are usually treated around the league. Like Rick Carlisle didn't win a playoff series for 10 years in Dallas after winning mm-hmm. a title and still got to leave of his own accord. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously we saw what happened to Ty Lue in Cleveland. Like that feels like an exception, but you know, like Doc Rivers got to pick his next destination with the Clippers. Like Spolster will never be fired. Greg Popovich will never be fired. Like, no. um, it's, there's usually a lot more gravitas, you know, given once you win the title, like you're supposed to enter in this new echelon of coaches with new standards that apply to you. And that does not appear to have happened with Frank Vogel. And that sucks because I think he was an enormously important part of that 2019, 20 mm-hmm. championship team. I think his role is often overlooked because yeah, that was a very talented team. And yeah, they had, you know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis playing it. AD definitely at the peak of his powers and LeBron James as well as we've Oops. seen, you know, in mm-hmm. like the last eight years or so. So rough stuff for Frank, um, who is clearly not LeBron James's favorite active head coach and just, just a real kick in the guts for <laughs> Frank Vogel. Um, how, how do you think it goes for Frank after this? Like, do, do you think he's going to get another job? Sure. But what type of job? Like what kind Maybe of Maybe he could get the King's job. <laughs> just keep following Luke Walton. <laughs> Like, honestly, that's a great way to continue to look like a great coach. I just right? want to see, like, could the Kings actually learn how to play defense if Frank Vogel was their head coach? Is that, like, you know, finally the match that could make it work? Um, I don't know. I like Frank. I like the Kings' talent quite a bit. Uh, I think they've underachieved for a very long time. I'd like to see him, you know, in a situation with uh, – less scope than the Lakers job, less pressure than the Lakers job. Although he seems to think this is the same as any other. (laughs) That was the other really funny thing here with Frank's, uh, like, you know, that Frank is kind of feeling the heat a little bit Mm -hmm. because he's usually so agreeable, right? I know. Normally, Normally, like every single thing that a, you know, reporter will say before they ask a question, Frank is usually like nodding along. Mm-hmm. Great point. Great question. All that kind of stuff. But like, I really found it really interesting here that Frank did the opposite of that, where he disagreed initially, but then eventually agreed by way of the way he answered the question where, cause he was asked, you know, do you feel more pressure here than in your previous jobs or whatever? Yeah. He said, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Frank, Frank is fighting back. He is 
uh, in real time, creating his resume for his next job interview. I will tell you that. Uh, so, so good for him for, you know, pointing out what is, I mean, he's, he's trying to separate the decision-making, you know, tree, right. He's trying to show like, this is what I'm responsible for. This is what I am doing. And then completely deflecting ownership of all of the problems that he associates with this roster. Yeah. So, uh, it's, uh, it's very public semi-agreeable power struggle that is happening, you know, within the Lakers right now. And the unfortunate part of it is that they're 24 games into the season, right? Like there's so much <laughs> basketball left to be played and these guys still have to work together for 58 more games. Uh, it's kind and- of perfect that before the season, we did the Lakers as succession characters because we're watching a succession episode. <laughs> All of this stuff is very much succession. Yeah. Um <laughs> I'm just thinking about like Kenny's yeah, Rob Palenka, party he was when they asked like, the so uh, over there. <laughs> I just imagine like everybody is so, like, so when's LeBron going to retire? <laughs> like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> I just need to know what I'm getting myself into. <laughs> yeah. Somebody said like, Hey, you know, <laughs> Anthony Davis asked somebody, whoever asked a question about playing with Bronny. Hey, so how realistic is that? Like, not not from like a story standpoint, but from like a timeline standpoint. Like, oh, yeah. are you actually like you, going to try to do that? Like, is that yeah. that's uh, that's your goal? We're yeah. we're sticking with that. Oh, okay. Chicago sure seems nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, this is this is just day in and day out an incredibly entertaining franchise. They understand the power of storytelling and myth-making and uh, they, they know exactly what they're doing on a regular basis when they make public statements. Um, I just hope that the basketball product starts to measure up to the level of entertainment that we're getting off the court, because even when the Lakers win, I'd be hard pressed to say that they've been playing an entertaining brand of basketball this year. Mm-hmm. And I hope that we get closer to that as like people get healthier, as Frank leans into some of the better lineup combinations. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's been a bit of a slog. Um, thankfully they, they do play again tomorrow. God, yeah. I should look at where they're playing. Who are they playing tomorrow? <laughs> Boston. They're playing Boston tomorrow. Okay. Yes. Boston, Boston gets the LA double. Right. Oh, so mm-hmm. the pressure cooker will be returning tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be yeah. hopped up on NyQuil. Oh, man, Nothing. what a, what what a great time wrong. to have all of this unnecessary Lakers drama with Dennis Schroeder <laughs> and the Boston Celtics about to come into town. I'm I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I Yeah. I the, the last thing I kind of want to hit on here with Frank is like, do, do, it, let's say he wrote a tell-all at the end of all of this. Like, what would you be most interested in finding out if Frank had, you know, he would never do this. He, he's not this kind of a guy, but if Frank was just giving away morsels of his time head as head coach of, of the Los Angeles Lakers, what would be the number one thing that you're hoping to find out from, from that book? How often he still texts with Alex Caruso. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just see. Sending you up texts. <laughs> Shoot, forgot about the time difference, Alex. Talk to you in the morning. <laughs> Just sending him clips of, of Russell Westbrook wandering off shooters. Can you believe this guy? He makes four times as much as you this year, and they were worried about your tax. 
implications. So, I mean, when we got the Phil Jackson tell all, like we, we got just an unvarnished view of how he really felt about Kobe and all of his worst instincts and, you know, in the, yeah. In the years since (laughs) that, (laughs) I have felt very differently about it than I did when I first read it. But I mean, even in this alternate universe where Frank Vogel will write a tell all, like he's not going to say how he really feels about LeBron James. Even that is a step too far, like in, in in a different reality. Um, I just would like to know what consultation he got on any of these roster decisions. Or yeah. like starting lineup decisions. Yeah, that's that's my that's my thing is is yeah. you know again it, I just keep coming back to championship level head coach, mm-hmm. and you can't tell me that the Steve Kerr's the Greg Pop and he's not on their level right. Those are multi time sure. championship yeah. level, but you can't tell me that like Ty Lue isn't consulted when the when the Clippers are thinking about making some kind of a move. You can't you just can't tell me that. And, and here with, with Frank, like I I've reached the point where maybe they consult him and they say, all right, we got to do the opposite of what Frank just said, because what about this roster screams, Frank Vogel, it is big and physical up front with the power forwards and, and the centers, but zero versatility, um, Mm -hmm. on, on, on the perimeter, you know, this is in the front court. Yeah. Like the, the, the defensive IQ is, is non-present. You know, this isn't a group that Frank Vogel would, I think, stamp his name on that roster. And and yet he's having his name stomped on it by LeBron, like LeBron, <laughs> like LeBron. And that was like the that is part. probably the most disrespectful part of that statement. Not that he said, like, if you just said Rob in the front office, that would be one yeah. thing for him to say Rob Frank in yeah. the front office is so mean. To Frank. Right. After not saying that he's a championship level head coach, like yeah. all of it is just wild. It was it was. It was a, a super interesting and very telling, I think, uh, presser, especially by, you know, post-practice pressers concern, like, yeah. you know, the way that those normally go. But I just think for, for where, where Frank is now, and I know he'll never write that tell all or whatever, but if I could inject Frank with true serum and get him to answer something like, you know, just, Hey, what was it? What was that? Like, what was that experience? Like, I would love mm-hmm. to hear what he has to say about, yeah, I, I really thought we were playing good basketball with Marc Gasol. And then I was given Andre Drummond, <laughs> who's the opposite of that. You know, it, I miss Andre Drummond. That is how the center rotation yeah. looks for the Lakers this year. I miss yeah. Andre Drummond. Yeah. I'm still holding out hope that Damian Jones gets bought out. <laughs> still holding on hope. Sacramento, now, well, Frank, do the uh, right thing. When, when this all goes, you know, poorly, well, you're welcome on the podcast. <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> Anthony is not a permanent co-host. We can easily move him around. <laughs> I would happily step aside. <laughs> happily. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Lakers play Boston on Tuesday on TNT. Make sure you are tuned into our social feeds so you can find the pressure cooker during the last five minutes of that mm-hmm. national game. Should be a good time. Uh, this has been I Love Basketball, and we will catch you next week. Thank you.